Pretty much where Jesus grew up. You remember the story, born in Bethlehem, escaped to Egypt, came back to, to, uh, to Judea, but he didn't, uh, Joseph was warned that, that in Judea the king that reigned after Herod was going to be killing the baby or really was not a good king, and so they kind of escaped and went up to Galilee, which is north, and he grew up in the city of Nazareth. Well, Mark begins by telling us that Jesus is now moving from Nazareth to the area of Gal- or to the area of the Jordan. And we know the story. I mean, I, I've preached it to you before on the baptism of Jesus. Jesus comes. John the Baptist is, is preaching in, in, the, in the river Jordan. And, and he's proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. And there's one coming that would be greater than him. And he would not be able to even untie his sandals. He baptized with water, but one was coming that was going to baptize him with the Holy Spirit. And it, and, and it tells us that the moment Jesus came out of the water, because Jesus came and was baptized, and the moment he came out of the water, it's like a big door in heaven just rolled over. The heavens opened up, and the Spirit of God descended upon our Lord Jesus Christ and a lie on him. And then the voice of the Father is heard kind of bearing witness at the baptism, bearing testimony, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I I have to think because because of the immediately of what happens after that voice, I, I have to think that Satan was lurking around in it, even at the baptism of Jesus. I, I have to think that, that John the Baptist had become a threat to Satan and to the devil. And I'm sure the devil wasn't very far away from all that was happening there in, in the River Jordan. I have to think about it because of the immediacy in which Satan begins to attack Jesus Christ. Plus, I I also think about that because you can't hear the voice of God pointing a finger at Jesus and immediately not have Satan threatened by the very testimony of God of who Jesus was and whom he knew Jesus to be as the one that would take the sins of the world. So I, I have to believe that Satan was in the area lurking around, but I also believe it because of what First uh, Peter says, which I think we should pay attention to. First Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when I, when I think of that verse, the picture that comes to my mind is, is a lion crouching behind some bushes, just waiting for you to come close enough to just jump out at you and, and do damage. That's kind of how I think of Jesus, of the devil, when I see this, this passage. So, he, he, so Peter tells us that we must be sober and we must be vigilant. Because we have an enemy who wants to cause us harm. And he is constantly in the lookout for 
open areas in our lives through which he could come in and do severe damage to us. Be sober, be vigilant, because the, your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. And I would say a wounded roaring lion, because Jesus already wounded him. But he, that makes him worse. A wounded lion might be worse than, than, than not. Whom, seeking whom he may devour. No sooner has Jesus been baptized, be pointed to as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord of heaven and earth. No sooner uh, has he been baptized that he's moved to the wilderness of Judea. And, and you can see a map up in the screen, more or less, where the baptism took place and where the wilderness of Judea took place. And I have to think that the temptations of Jesus are a result of his baptism. If Jesus had not been who he was, and if the Spirit hadn't come upon him, and if the Father hadn't pointed to him, Satan would have, would have probably left him alone. But because of who he was, as a result of, of his baptism, Immediately he goes to the wilderness and immediately Satan begins to attack him and to try to derail all that Jesus was beginning that day and in that event. I believe with all my heart that when we give our lives to the Lord, when we truly commit ourselves to Christ and we call Him Lord and begin to seek Him with all our heart, soul, and mind, that a spiritual war begins in our lives. All of a sudden, we ourselves become a threat to the devil because our intention is to extend the kingdom of God. Our prayer is, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is. There's no more threatening prayer to Satan than that prayer alone, which Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. That makes Satan tremble. And when we call Jesus Lord and we give our lives to the Lord with sincerity and truth, not from word of mouth only or from lips, immediately he has to come and attack, even us. I have a friend whom I met with a few weeks ago. And uh, he came to my office to meet with me. And he was struggling with some things. And, and he said to me, Father Jose, I was happier before I became a Christian. I, I really was. I, was. I was happier. I didn't feel this heaviness. I didn't feel these attacks. Um, I didn't feel how much and hard work it is to be and live in obedience to the Lord. It seems to me that, that I was happier. I said, of course. Of course you were happier. You were no threat to Satan. 
Of course you were happier. He could do anything he wanted with you. You could feed every desire from the flesh, every desire from the mind. You could feed everything that led you to death. And you, you were not a threat, so he didn't have to mess with you. The moment you make Jesus Lord of your life and you take your soul from his grip and you give it to a new Lord and a new God, Jesus Christ, immediately he's threatened. Immediately he's going to come at you because from you and through you, the kingdom of God is going to be spread. And you're going to tell others about the Lord that is in your life. And your life is going to testify that the Father has chosen you. And all of a sudden, you are a threat and you are involved immediately in a spiritual battle. Spiritual battle for your soul. And in a battle, nothing is peaceful. And this is not a time for peace, people. Our time for peace is in heaven when we are with the Lord. Here we are in a spiritual battle. For our souls, the souls of our families, and the soul of the world. So no, you're not supposed to be happy. You're supposed to serve and call on the Lord and, and represent the Lord. And that causes the devil to see you as a threat and he's going to mess with your life. One of the things I want you to notice in the gospel when you look at it again, that it wasn't the devil that led Jesus to the wilderness. It was the Spirit. It was the Spirit of God right after baptism immediately took Jesus over to, to the wilderness of Judea, a place set apart. Other Gospels tells us that Jesus went there to fast and to pray and to seek the Father as he was about to launch his ministry. And it tells us that Jesus was there for 40 days, tempted day in and day out. And that he was there with wild beasts and angels served him for 40 days. 40 days away from everybody. 40 days of, of loneliness. 40 days of hunger. 40 days of wilderness and wild beasts. 40 days of attacks, day in and day out. And Satan knew everything that, that, that Jesus needed. Because Satan never attacks you where you're not vulnerable. He'll always attack you where you are vulnerable. And so the other Gospels tell us that, that Satan offers Jesus everything a human being could possibly have. The ability to feed every desire of the flesh. You take bread, you take stones and turn it into bread. Feed yourself with every desire of your soul. And if you can do that, you can do everything else. Go ahead and feed yourself with everything you possibly could want. You want some glory? Do you want to be appreciated and loved by everybody? Let me take you up here to this top of this high place. You see all of this? I'll give it to you if you bow down and worship me. Satan offers Jesus everyone a human person could possibly desire. 
for 40 days hammering at what some of us might fall to. For 40 days, he goes on the attack on Jesus. And his weapon is temptation. His weapon is temptation. So, I said to myself, how would I describe temptation? How would I describe temptation? I know temptation. You know it too, right? We know temptation by experience we do. But how would you describe it so that it makes sense to your brain? So I, I wrote this down. I said, simply defined, temptation is anyone or anything inward, inward of the flesh or outward of the world that stands against the will, direction, desire, and plan of God as described in God's Word. Anything and anyone that you would desire inside or look outside and want that goes against the will of God is temptation. And Satan uses it to dangle it in front of you to use it as a weapon against you to cause you to fail, to fall, to disobey, and to burn. Sometimes we find in Scripture that God tests Abraham or that some people are tested like Job. And I say to you that there is a difference between the tests that happen in our lives, which grow us and mature us and strengthen us, because God even makes the messes in our lives be used for His glory to strengthen our faith and our dependence on Him. Satan's purpose is not to strengthen us. Satan's purpose is to cause us to fall, to fail, and to embarrass our Heavenly Father. Because i got to tell you, whenever I sin... The picture in my mind is Satan saying, <laughs> Did you see your son down there? Did you see what he just did? And you call him your son? And I am giving Satan the tools to embarrass my heavenly father. And I, and I can only look in, in the face of God and the pain that I would have caused. Because of sin in my life. And that's present in my mind and in my heart many, many times. It is an embarrassment to the family of God when Christians who call Jesus Lord habitually are in sin and don't correct themselves. Because they're giving in to Satan in all of his ways. And it is an embarrassment to the family, to the church. And it is an embarrassment when we clergy fail. I don't condone it, but I also say we are all human beings. I'm not stronger or better than any of you, but I believe clergy people need to be examples. 
but we're not exempt from falling, as we have seen numerous times. And maybe some of you may have been hurt at one time by a clergy person, intentionally or unintentionally, but it happens because we too screw up. But it's no excuse for me, for a clergy, or for any of us. What you would expect from me, I expect from you. A holy life, seeking the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind. Together, correcting one another, praying for one another, defending one another. Not pointing the finger at one another. That's what the accuser does. And that's Satan. That's his name, the accuser of the brethren. Simply defined, temptation is anything or anyone that Satan uses to dangle in front of us and we like fools go after it. Because that's how temptation works. That's how it worked for Adam and Eve. That's how it worked for David, a man after God's own heart. That's how it worked for Saul. And that's how it worked for Judas. And that's how it has worked for many, many people throughout the days and throughout the times. You see, Satan knows exactly where to attack you. He's a roaring lion crouching just to see where and when to attack you. He will not attack me in alcohol because I am not a drinker. I don't drink. He will not attack me in drugs, but he will attack me in areas where he knows I am weak. And that's what he will dangle in front of me. And that's where I also need to put my defenses and my prayer and my strength. And that's where I need to seek help when I need to seek help. The purpose of Satan is to tempt us. That's his weapon. He knows inside of us the hole in our heart. And that's what he wants to dangle in front of us. Whether it's sexual, whether it's loneliness, whether it's uh, gambling, whether it's alcohol, whether it's gossip, whatever it is, he knows where you tick. And that's exactly where he's going to come and say, here you are. And he's going to do it to us more than he will do it to someone who's already in his, in his crutches, in his clutches. He wants to see us fail. He wanted to see Jesus fail just like Adam and Eve. He wanted to see Jesus take him on on the glory. Take him on on, on, on turning stones into satisfying himself. It's about me. And Jesus would not fall for any of it. That's something that teaches us. You can be tempted, but temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Now, there's a passage of Scripture that has always been such a tremendous blessing to me in this area of temptation. It, it, it explains it in such a tremendous way. And it's in, in the letter of James, chapter 1. James, the, the earthly brother of Jesus in the flesh, James says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. That means that temptation can be endured. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life 
which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. Read that again. When you are tempted, don't ever say, I am tempted by God. God made me do it. God made me this way. God is at fault. No, he's not. James is clear. When you are tempted, no one should say, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. That's not what God does. He may take our failures and use them to strengthen us, but he's not the author of evil or of temptation. He may pick us up from the ground and dust us up and send us again. And we learn from our mistake, but he wasn't the author of our fall. In fact, here's what the author of our fault is. It says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Look at that. Where does temptation begin? It begins inside of us. Temptation begins in our own desires, in the holes in our heart. Temptation begins there because that's where we hurt, that's where we thirst, that's what we want. And we're constantly living this life trying to soothe those areas and fill them with something that would help us go on. And we often find the wrong things to put in there. The wrong worship person. The wrong behavior. Disobedience. And we can make all the excuses we want. But temptation begins with the desires within. And Satan knows it. And the next thing he says is unenticed. Of course. Where am I going to attack you if I could? Exactly where I had you. Enticed you with... Whatever it is, put it right in front of you. And maybe the first time you didn't bite, but I keep enticing. And the second time you didn't bite, but I'll keep enticing because I know you're hungry. And I know you're thirsty. And I know you want it. And I know it. And I'm just going to keep putting it in front of you. And that's what Satan does. But it begins with a hole in our own selves. drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When desire has conceived, in other words, when I took the bite, when I got it, when that desire in me got satisfied by something that is against God, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Temptation is not sin. Biting into temptation is sin. The hole, the tangling, the biting, sin is born. And when sin is full grown, when it becomes habitual in your life, when you just make excuses and keep at it because nobody knows. You see, you sin the first time, nobody catches you, you think you can do it a second time. And you do it a second time and nobody catches you and you think you're home free. 
you will never escape the eyes of Almighty God. And sooner or later, that rope that Satan keeps giving you is what he's going to tie around your own neck and choke you. Because ultimately he wants your destruction, not your satisfaction. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. See, James is so good explaining to us the process. It begins inside. Then there is the enticement. Then there is the making it born, biting on it. Then it becomes a habit because you think you can get away from it. You'll make excuses. You'll disobey God. Did God really say that? Did that was that was written by men? That wasn't. You can come up with all the excuses you want. You will bite and you will die. Because the penalty of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the wage of sin is death. There's another passage that has been a blessing to me always when it comes to temptation. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll just read it to you. I didn't put it up in the screen. Chapter 10, verse 13 and 14. Actually 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. No temptation has come to you that is not common to others. Don't ever say, oh, I was tempted worse than anybody. No. Temptation is temptation. And believe me, where you fall, a lot of people have fallen too. But a lot of people have also been winners. And a lot of people have had victory over that same temptation as yours. And they have chosen obedience over sin. Let me read it again. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful in the middle of temptation who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to resist. God is faithful and He is for you and He is with you and He will give you the strength to resist it. And then he says, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Every temptation where we are weak, God provides a way out. You just have to take it. Because some of us say, I'll just go enjoy myself and you won't, provide, you won't go on the way. If you have an issue with alcohol, the worst thing you can do is go to a bar or have alcohol in your house. If you have an issue with the ladies, run away from those that you're most attracted to. Run away like crazy. If you're attracted to a particular guy that keeps paying attention to you in the office, get away. Be clear, I'm a Christian, I'm not interested. If you are not on the up and up with me and you're a single lady, don't go there. You play with fire, you get burned. 
God is faithful. He will provide a way out if you're willing to take it. If you're willing to choose sin, then don't say God didn't help you. You make that choice. Obedience is the way because God will provide a way and he may bring a friend. Or you need to seek a friend and say, you know, I'm really being tempted in that area. And pray together and put some, some blocks in your life. Don't be alone with that person that you feel attracted to. Don't be alone. It leads to hell. There are ways. Be aware of the ways that God puts in front of you. Be aware of the ways in which God protects you. Ask for prayer. Be honest about it. The worst thing about sin, we keep it secret. When you keep it secret, it grows. When you put it in the light, it shrivels. Satan knows it. Satan loves it. Satan plans on it. God will provide a way. So, we understand temptation, don't we? I'm an expert from experience. So how do I... What can I do about temptation? First of all, what can I do about sin? Jesus is the answer to sin. Doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Doesn't matter how many times you've fallen. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. Jesus forgives all of your sins. Jesus pays for all of your past. And Jesus is with you for the rest of your life. What's the answer to temptation? First of all, it's Jesus. His blood on the cross. His sacrifice. Second of it is the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit into your life. Do you know that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control? Self-control, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, all of the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? What the Spirit produces when He's inside of you. The more you're filled with the Spirit, the more of the fruit will be evident in you. Be filled with the Spirit and do not entertain the desires of the flesh. Jesus is the answer. The Holy Spirit is the answer because he'll work from inside you. Where that hole is, where the, the, the desires are, the Spirit will be what satisfies you. Be filled with the Spirit. Confession and repentance are necessary when temptation occurs. Daily communion with God. I'll say to you, don't leave home without prayer. You're going into a world that is tough. You're going into a world where temptation will be all around you. Don't ever leave home without it. To use a commercial. Don't ever leave home without having prayed, having given yourself to the Lord, and putting on the holy armor of God. Prayer. Study God's Word. Know the Word of God. Know the direction of God. And I would say spiritual disciplines, fasting, worship, 
meditation, quiet times, all of those things that are the spiritual disciplines, that's how we deal with temptation. Those things strengthen us. But you know, I cannot control temptation. I've tried. How many times you and I have said on Sunday mornings, Father, I'll never do that again. How many times? How many times we, you and me, have confessed our sins on our knees and have said to, my, to ourselves, I will not do that again. I can't do that again. Not again. Hey, you're trying to do it in your own power? Forget it. You'll give in to temptation. You have to do it in God's power. You have to do it in God's power. Because He's faithful. Jesus was tempted, but He didn't fall. Not then and not ever. But He defended Himself by quoting Scripture right back to, to Satan. We need to know Scripture. We need to know prayer. We need to give ourselves to the Lord on a constant basis. That's how we deal with temptation. You cannot handle it, not by yourself. You need the Lord. You need His forgiveness. You need His strength. You need the Lord. So here we are at the beginning of Lent. Here we are looking at temptation. Here we are trying to learn how to be the kind of people God wants us to be. As human beings. Fallible. Weak at times. But with a very strong God. Temptation is a reality. But you don't have to be beaten down by it. Amen? 40 days. Get our act together. And then 400 more years to perfect it. Because it's an ongoing thing. Stand up with me, please.